We are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 99 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am fucking tired, and joining me today is Joel Simon. Hey! Mildly hungover. <laughs> and Anne Bean. I'm actually coherent today. <laughs> I got no more than two hours of sleep at a stretch for a grand total of about five hours of sleep last night, so I am, like, fucking exhausted. Uh, this is the penultimate episode of the Trade Secrets Podcast. This is our second to last show. That's what penultimate means for everybody out there who uh, skipped part of high school. Um, for the listeners at home, can you please tell me what high school means? Yeah. Oh, good. What does show mean? What? Um, <laughs> uh, right. Words! A guy? What's a guy? <laughs> oh, a guy. Do you like dice? It's going to be a real winner today, kids, yeah, just to let you know. Stuff. I, get in front of ma. I once met an Irishman who actually was talking about getting a caravan for his ma, and I about died. That's fantastic. We are going to be talking about Warren Ellis and Jason Howard's Trees today. It is a, a science fiction, speculative fiction, science fiction book from Image Comics. Uh, it is on issue, I think, 11 or 12 right now. I we read the first, the first trade, which is the first eight issues. Eight. Yeah, I mean, technically, I think if you read everything that sent out, we read nine, but nine is technically the uh, start of the second arc. It's very confusing to me, and it all blends together, (laughs) so it's kind of hard to differentiate one book from the next. We'll talk about it later. Uh, There isn't a lot to talk about other than, I know Anne's got a book she wants to talk about, and we'll do that uh, in a little bit. I know that um, I do want to mention the... um, the seemingly inevitable bomb of the Fantastic Four movie. Mm. Um, Surprising no one. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I heard. Well, I heard that the reviews were that it's a hundred. It's a hundred minute trailer for the Fantastic Four movie. Oh God! <laughs> it's um, right now on Rotten Tomatoes. It's neck and neck with Catwoman. Oh, um, oh. is it higher yeah. than Pixels? Uh, I don't know. I think higher everything is higher. It's oh, higher. every yeah. Uh, I read a really interesting article about Pixels that was like, look, Adam Sandler is a fake geek guy. He's like mm-hmm. the only one. He's Well, I, he's the highest profile one. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, and I think it's starting to come out now that the misogyny in the Adam Sandler movies. Are you movies. kidding me? No. Now? <laughs> well, okay, yes. Yeah, I was going to say. This it. was stuff that when you're younger, you don't really realize and think it's funny, but now you watch it now, it's like, oh, it's kind of Bill Cosby-ish. Well, and then... Almost. Uh, that and then the, um, uh, whatever the fucking Netflix thing that he was filming that uh, was, was a comedy western... Yeah, and uh, a bunch. He had a bunch of Native American oh, actors yeah, and on set, and they just walked out because the jokes were so just racist. blatantly racist. And hit their answer, like Happy Madison Productions' answer to them walking off set, was was effectively, "It's all just a joke." Why which, can't you have a better sense of humor? Yeah, which is uh, just just phenomenal, just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and then the. Rose McGowan too. You heard about that the casting no. call for what it. Happened? So Rose McGowan put on Twitter her, the casting call for for that movie mm-hmm. and it was pretty much good-looking women if you show up, you know, we'll we'll look at you and whatnot. <laughs> and so she called it out like this is bullshit and then Happy Madison had her agent fire her. Wow. <laughs> yeah, her agent okay. dropped her. And you know what? I think that's fine for yeah. everyone involved. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. If everyone agent, wins in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, if the agent is even willing to do that, then Rose McGowan's probably better off. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, but yeah. And that's when it's like, oh, maybe Adam Sandler isn't as kooky and funny as he lets on. Do you think that we'll actually get lucky enough that Trump will actually run for president? No. I that think he'll so I think awesome. he'll run on an independent party. 
Wow. I think he won't get the Republican nomination. Oh, he he'll definitely run independently and he'll split the nice, split the vote. Nice That's segue, my plan. By the way, yeah. 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 Also, just to bring things full circle, I've really been enjoying thinking of uh, Trump as Doctor Doom, sort of like thinking of the United States of. So Latveria. Is like the hairpiece the equivalent of the mask in this I think so. fantasy yeah. we're having? <laughs> yeah. I just love, I, I'm really happy with all of the uh, <clears throat> parallels being drawn to alternate timeline Biff Tannen. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so. God. <laughs> so as a tangent, I am super sad that Jon Stewart, wait, Jon Stewart? Yeah. He's done. <laughs> because there's material just... I'm like, super sad that this guy whose name I can't remember is done doing. I said his things name right, and like you guys are kind of blankly staring at me, like, "What are you talking yeah, about?" He's Rizzo? blankly staring at you for everything today, especially if you look at me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really I've sad seen that the he's face no of the void. <laughs> I've looked into the abyss, and it's a clown <laughs> looking back. Uh, but no, like he's done, and like here. this is Donald Trump is running for president. This is like his dream scenario, and he's like, sorry, guys, I'm out. I think I, I'm willing to bet that that was intentional. Like, what? he was probably, he's he like, set his time to leave. Easy. Well, he set his time to leave right before the 2016 election start stuff started yeah. ramping up, and I think that was, he was probably like, sense. you know, I, I, do it again. I, I could do it, but he's like, if I go, if I get past September of 2015, then I'm stuck here for another year because there ain't no way I'm going to bail. I'm not going to do the election. Yeah. So I'd better get the fuck out before the primaries start. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a nice way to just like ease in the next next person to be like, well, here's some here's, low Here's a chain fruit. of softballs. Swing away. Yeah, Jimmy. right. Swing away. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how that show morphs with... with um, I can't remember the guy's name that they hired to replace him. Trevor the, Noah. Trevor Noah. Oh, in yeah. This, in the oh, spot. Right. Because, like, because, of course, there's um, there's a bunch, uh, as will always happen, there's a whole bunch of people, like, ragging on a lot of his early stand-up for misogyny and perceived racism and random stuff. Um, like, the misogyny part, sure, yeah. He had some, like, some early, like, kind of fat shaming type jokes oh, like yeah. fat chicks blah 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 jokes but then the the racist part i never understood because he he was making he's south african mm-hmm. and his jokes were very much from that culture right and they might i, I mean I can unless kind he was like see, lol apartheid <laughs> and he wasn't um he may, like he has a whole routine about being called the black hitler that is actually pretty funny um but I don't know. I I don't know enough about him. Um, I've only seen his bits to, on Daily Show, honestly. Yeah, uh, I I really like the Nightly Show, yeah. like Larry Wilmore stuff. So um, if if even if the Daily Show kind of falters for a while, at least we've got Larry Larry Wilmore to pick up the slack for a little bit because he's fucking hilarious. Uh-huh. Also, at midnight is really good. What At midnight's it? pretty funny. It's it's has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But well, sure. it's, it's the follow. It's the following show to the Daily Show. Mm. Yeah, I you mean, with your television sets that show things in a prescribed order. At midnight <laughs> is is the most frivolous show ever put on television, and it's hilarious. It's, and it's uh, totally it's, my wheelhouse. It's yeah, completely irreverent. It's Chris Hardwick, the Nerdist, right? Okay. The guy who runs Nerdist. Um, and it's it's a fake game show, effectively, where they basically pull up a bunch of social media stuff and spend a bunch of time. They, they recruit a bunch of stand-up comedians to come on and just make random jokes based on shit they find on social media. Excellent. And it's actually, it's, it can be pretty fucking funny. I like, like um, I, I have to take it in small doses because if you watch like a lot of episodes in a row, it does start to get kind of repetitive, yeah. mm. but like every once in a while, I'll just Pop on, an, pop on an episode and it's fucking awesome. Um, the best one that I heard was, and this is somewhat bad. You know what? I'm not even going to go with that one. Involved <laughs> making Ann culture airtight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Ann's like, huh. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. <laughs> um, 
there isn't a hell of a lot of industry news to talk about. We, you know, Fantastic Four flopped as we expected. There's um, everyone expected, which I think is part of the reason it flopped. Everyone's like, "This is going to be a terrible movie." I'm so, not going to see it. So a r- no. one thing, one thing about that that I did read is that because of the internet fervor over Doctor Doom and the name is Doom Dumashev or something like that. Doctor Dumashev. Yeah, they changed his name to Doom. They they changed it back. Whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> this what you're saying is instead of watching Fantastic Four, go listen to the um, oh brain. <laughs> instead <laughs> of watching well, Fantastic uh, Four, do literally anything the, else. Literally the point, hours. The point spend that I'm the money making is Jack Kirby's original. They listen. Well, they listen to the populace and the internet rage out there and they're like okay we need to change this we made a bad decision believe it or not mf doom was the name that i was trying to come up with there good job right now that would have made an awesome movie. i i like the idea of mf doom as doom yeah. in <laughs> Dr. Yes. doom the movie starring ghostface killer as <laughs> reed richards uh, old dirty bastard to sue storm um no oh yeah yeah no, that's a, that's where we're going <laughs> yeah uh, like Buster Rhymes is a thing because he's a little <laughs> swollen now. Yeah, I could see this. The, Let's make it happen. If you want to watch something and better Riza than the Fantastic Four, yes. <laughs> Torch. If you want to watch Boom. Uh, something better than the Fantastic Four movie, go to Nerdist and watch their uh, their short film about what happened to the thing's dick, um, <laughs> which is actually pretty fucking funny. Speaking of the thing's dick, <laughs> you can <laughs> also. Uh, go to MinorArcanaPress.com and I would recommend, because I'm almost out of physical copies, download the Drawn to Marvel Poems from the Comic Books, which has Mark Michael Martone's Sex Lives of the Fantastic Four, which is a fantastic poem about just that. The thing's dick? He's, well, he doesn't, he doesn't really have generals. He's sort of like sexless and frustrated and mm. awful. And That's why he's clobbering things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's clobbering time. <laughs> um, you had a comic that you read that you wanted to talk I about. I read the first two issues of The Spire by Simon Spurrier and drawn by people. Simon Spurrier is amazing. Uh, I think that, like, I wanted to talk about The Spire on the same time in space and time that we're talking about <laughs> trees. <laughs> uh, it's another winning podcast by the After the Fact crew, folks. It's uh, yes. filled with no breaks, no edits at all required on Luke's part. Jeff Stokely. Uh, Jeff Stokely and Andre May. I believe so is that's actually colors? Spurrier and Stokely is the same creative team as Six Gun Gorilla. Is oh, that a, okay. And, oh. Is that a girl with an eye patch? Yes. Um, it has really excellent world building. My my only this that's issue two. Uh, my only quibble with it is sometimes Spurrier writes too much dialogue and needs to tone it down. Like, like Neil too Gaiman, many words. Too many words. No, Neil Neil Gaiman writes too much in the square bubbles. I say as a comic book creator. <laughs> Professional narration is what you're looking for. Yes, he he over narrates. His dialogue is fine. There's no warp spiders here. (laughs) 40k joke. Ah. I think Jeff Stokely. I think Jeff Stokely was the one. Anyway, it's a great creative team. Super rich colors, world building, etc. Compelling characters, blood, towers, lesbians. Like flipping through that, just initial impressions. It reminds me very much of something that you would find in heavy metal. I can see like, that. Um, so yes, it was Jeff Stokely. It, it does. Gold. It's not as like male gazy as heavy metal for the well, most part. Fair, I, but that's not what I mean by it. I meant, but more it has like that the same speculative kind of yeah, Euro sci-fi weird kind of aesthetic. ethereal. Yeah, and and it is based around this tower, the spire, uh, which lends. I don't know that whatever is appealing about the like artifact nature of the sixth gun in terms of like oh there's a structure here and there's stuff and it's going to be interesting there's a similar like maybe it feels a little bit gamified in terms of like there are all these levels of this tower that have political intrigue and yeah. explosions and stuff I like the art but the panel the panel is inconsistent oh like I, I'm not saying it's bad it's just inconsistent it's weird I like Stokely's art I liked it in Six Gun Gorilla it works well. really well for this series um, hmm. So, in this story, they're working their way up the spire? Yes and no. The eye patch lady is, like, part of the police force. 
Mm. Investigating intrigue. Eye patch lady, that's her name, folks. Yep, I'm super good at so it's remembering. Dread. Shaw yes. is actually her name, but it has a little circle over the A. So what I is don't know it that you you're like that. shaking your head at? Strange fruit. It is kind of like dread. Ugh. Really? Oh yeah, we can talk about how strange fruit is some bullshit. Yeah. Talk about talk about it. I don't know anything Strange about it. Strange Fruit is so. an old song. It's about yeah. people getting lynched. Yeah. Right? Okay, I know that. Yeah. Okay, so Anne had an article about Strange Fruit, and it pretty much was done by Mark Wade and uh, J.G. Jones. Okay. And they're... J.G. Ballard. <coughs> it's just J.G. Jones there. I'm but wrong. anyways, so... <laughs> So anyway, um, it's it's about it, it's it's a passion piece for them because they they wanted to address racism. So it's uh, in the early nineteen twenties, nineteen forties, and a black Superman lands in the South who doesn't speak. Yeah, so yeah, that's the the old magical Negro that doesn't talk. Yeah, with, yeah. So for like every it. white person apparently that uh, is racist, there's like another white person there to be like, gosh, that's racist. Yeah. In the 30s. Yeah. In the Deep South 30s. In the Deep South. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and the the first, I guess the first issue, I haven't read this. I don't think I'll ever spend any money on it. But the first, uh, the end of the first episode or issue has the black Superman wrapped in a, a Confederate flag. And he's like, oh, white people aren't going to like that. And he's just His like, buddy is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and one of the things with with it it just reinforces the stereotype of you know the magical negro the black negro that's going to yeah no i understand yeah, it. No. fucking uh, and then they call it bagger str- vance strange fruit yeah. which is yeah. a little okay bit. yeah and then and then on top of that they you know you name it strange fruit which was all about lynching and whatnot so yeah tasteless mm, yeah that's a, it's it seems gosh. pretty tone deaf at this particular yes. point in time um so I I really have known nothing about it until basically just now, and I think I think what they were trying to do is like, hey, what if Superman landed landed in the USSR? Like, oh, Red Sun, you know, sure. how does this turn out? <laughs> Superman could talk though, you know, yeah. yeah. And this was like, what if a black person, you know, a black Superman landed in the South? Well, how? Well, what would happen? But then you just don't have him talk at all. And yeah, that seems like an odd yeah. narrative choice, but mm, yeah. huh? Huh. Yeah. We'll have to see. It's the green mile. <laughs> um, <coughs> so anyway. we did go ahead. What? No, no, no. Is that no. it? Anyway, go ahead. Listener email. May. Listener email. Uh, uh, uh. Bow. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of our longtime listeners emailed me, uh, us, uh, Scanner51, with uh, a question, comment, and concern. He says... Way to hit all the bases. (coughs) So the other day I was at my best friend's and he repeatedly called me an asshole because as he put it, quote, you're nothing but a DC fanboy who hates Marvel, end quote. He said all this because I wasn't going to go see Ant-Man because I don't see Marvel movies and I don't support them. He's right. I'm a DC fanboy. I take a lot of shit for this form of thinking, but but, but my friend only likes the Raiders. He loved it when the Niners lost the Super Bowl. He only drives Fords. He's not thrilled when Obama saved GM. He's <clears throat> He only buys Apple products. He only votes Democrat. He hates Republicans. So my question is, why is someone like me, who only supports either DC or Marvel, looked down upon? People have this same mindset for a lot of other things. Do you think LeBron and the rest of the Cleve- and the rest of Cleveland was happy when the Warriors beat them in Cleveland? Niner fans hate Raiders and vice versa. But why is it different for comics? Why do people think I should like both? So, I've got opinions. Okay, um, so I'm going to go with the flimpet, flimpet, and funny answer first. Well, it's because DC is terrible. Terrible, terrible. They're real bad at what they do. And they should be purged from the earth <laughs> with fire, preferably. This has been opinions. <laughs> um, so it's strange because I don't think there, there's there's a lot of layers to this, right? First and foremost, uh, calling you an asshole for being a fanboy is a little over the top. That's mm. pretty ridiculous. Um, because yes, there are fanboys. There are people who are just like hardcore Marvel or hardcore DC or me. I'm actually pretty hardcore image, uh, and I don't like Marvel or DC. Um, you monster. I know. I know. I'm an asshole. Uh, but so that that in and of itself, we'll address that real quick first. I think that's stupid. I think it's stupid to call you an asshole. Mm. However, um, 
I don't I don't necessarily think that the analogy to like sports teams really fits um, because I mean first of all people do get called an asshole for being a Raiders fan <laughs> I mean it's mm. that that's pretty common when I think um, sports fandom rivalries I don't necessarily think like measured debate <laughs> um, <laughs> calm opinions dick um, kicking that's what I think of when yeah, I think well. sports fans I mean in a lot of these things that you mentioned they're 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 definitely just it's a personal preference based on whatever criteria you like if you if you are specifically like Ford and don't like GM it's because of some personal preference you have toward how they build their cars or maybe they you think they're better quality or whatever um, or it could just be cosmetic and yeah uh, in the case of comic books it's always it's of course it's it's art it's a personal choice to like a particular type of art you know over another the thing where I think it, and I don't know that you've necessarily ever done this, Jesus, but the thing where I think it gets weird is when a comic book fan who's like a hardcore DC guy like you is is starts not just saying, I like DC and this is what I choose to follow, but then starts being like, um, fuck Marvel, they suck. Uh, there's a certain point where after a few years of not reading Marvel, you can't really authoritatively say they suck, Right. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Like yeah. you can't, you can't, because I, I have not really been a big Marvel fan um, or Marvel or DC fan for a, for a long time. Uh, but I also continually read their stuff to try it. Like I read the better stuff, and I'm willing to accept the stuff that that I like and that that's good. Um, but if I were to go, you know, f- three or four years without ever reading a single DC book then I can't authoritatively say DC sucks. I can say I like Marvel because their aesthetics are what I enjoy, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I I get it if people are against a specific publisher because of like either their politics or their like terrible life choices. But at the well, same that... time, that doesn't reflect on the art itself. Yeah, the medium. So, yeah, exactly. So if I was like, uh, I don't like DC because I like my stories to be like grounded in really specific people and be less archetypal. That would make sense. But that's also not the sort of like argument where I can be like, and you're an asshole because you don't agree with me. I mean, that's actually come up just in the last week. I I guess I probably could have addressed this uh, in news stuff, but there was a, an article posted to, I want to say it was CBR. Um, uh, uh, a uh, reporter, a journalist, a comic journalist who posted an open letter saying that she was not going to support Marvel anymore because several new books uh, have come out uh, with lead c- characters that are people of color, and they basically hire on- they've been hiring entirely white Only. crews to, and to that, crew I them. And I totally get boycotting and, on that basis. Yeah, and she's just like, well, I'm kind of tired of it. Not to mention their their whole hip-hop cover initiative yeah, that's was, like that was a bad idea. So, I don't know. It's 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 over the top for your friend to call you an asshole. Um, but it also... I the, the funny thing about this email is I feel like there's maybe there's maybe something we're not getting. Like, how much of an asshole were you about not wanting to support Marvel? Were you like, fuck Marvel, they suck, and I'm not going to give them my money because everything they do is terrible? Well, maybe you're okay. Maybe it's okay to call you an asshole in that particular instance. But but it's not because you don't like Marvel. It's because you're being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, um, I don't know. And if you weren't, then your buddy's wrong, and he's an asshole. I also also feel like there's a a core difference between... um, Engaging in a particular type of art because it meets your fancy and rooting rooting for a sports team that is in a competitive environment. Because, like, people... You can, you can say all up one side and down the other that Marvel and DC are competitors, but really they're pretty much not. They're just... Mm. They're their own... Th- entities in the comic book industry They're with their own fan the two bases. big superhero publishers. Yeah, it's I mean it's the same thing as the console wars, you know. There's mm-hmm. like Nintendo really isn't a rival to PlayStation or Xbox and they're really not each other's rivals. They make it out that way because it makes for good press. Mm. But they yeah. they put their shit out and all the publishers that are making ga- making AAA games are going to do it for both because it's the in their best interest to do so. Yeah. Um and it seems odd to me, like, uh, 
and maybe this is just me, but it um, it has always seemed odd to me to um, to completely ignore even potentially really good art based on um, based on basically arbitrary criteria, like because of what publisher releases oh, it. Okay. You know, like because Marvel releases some really fucking good stories. They have a whole bunch of trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DC has a whole bunch of trash, and they, but they release some good stories, and we've talked about those on this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Image is the same way. It's all creator-owned stuff, but it's like there's some... The Image has put out some, some shit in the yeah. last you know few, 10 years, um, but they have some really good fucking stuff as well. Um, so, I don't know. It just... Uh, y- you like what you like, but yeah. don't be a dick about it is, I guess, where I'm going with it. Yeah. Well, it... And I can kind of see how it is like a sports team because I know there's a lot of people who's like, oh, I like the 49ers. Like, oh, well, you're an asshole. You know, how could you do that? But most of the time it's jokingly, but there are some people that take that really seriously. Yeah, but I I just don't know if I don't see the parallel between you. Like you pick a sports team, whatever criteria, say Mm. it's the city that you live in or the city you grew up in. Bang, you pick their sports team and you stick with them Mm. um, and support them through uh, through. Compet- it's a competitive environment and you're you're supporting them through competition doesn't doesn't jive with the idea of liking or disliking art to me it's not the yeah. same it's not the same part of your brain I, well i maybe it's not about the art maybe it's just about the treating the pantheon of characters as a sports team basically yeah yeah, Being like, if you diss Batman, I will punch you in the face. And that's where I start to disagree with the mindset of using that mindset as a criteria for liking or disliking comic I think comic that ties books. into like greater geek fandom mm. more than it ties into actually yeah. liking or disliking comic books. Yeah. yeah. And it, it makes stuff easy, too. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this stance. You know, regardless, you, and I, it's it's like, kind of sad because then you're missing out on all yeah, that's this good content. That's really what know? the that's really what it is to me. Especially if you're a fan of if you're a fan of comic books, mm. then it behooves you to be open to whatever comes out because there's so many good stories that will come at you from left field. Mm-hmm. Right? There's there have been like. The, the perfect example for me was Miss Marvel, like yeah. G. Willow Wilson's Miss Marvel. I, I'm not a big two guy. I don't read a lot. Miss Marvel, when I first saw the info about it, looked kind of, kind of lame to me. To be honest, it's very teenagers. And then when I actually read it. It's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has absolutely nothing to do with what logo is on the cover it has to do with the creative team that's building you know that's building this story using those characters so um so i actually put in a counterpoint being Mm -hmm. the one person i get where he's coming from where he doesn't want to support the other company um but you shouldn't necessarily follow writers don't follow the brands like if you like Mm -hmm. someone's stories in dc you're gonna like their stories in marvel it Mm -hmm. might be a different take but like I, I, I don't even really follow specific books anymore. Like if Ed Brubaker puts something out, I'm gonna read it. If um, Cy Spurrier puts something out, I'm gonna read it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I care about you know who is creating the story, not necessarily the contents where they're in. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's I'm, how I I've, read too. That's basically how I read as well. Um, my only, my only thing, uh, my dislike of the big two has nothing to do with them as companies as much as like um i'm not as big a fan of their shared universes like the type of story i like to read being self-contained stuff it doesn't does their stuff doesn't appeal to me because of the shared universe aspect of what they do but that's the only that's really the only criteria that stops me from reading um a lot of marvel or dc stuff because even then couple years later after something's come out if somebody's like this is a fucking phenomenal story and hands it to me i'll read it yep so for the last two weeks we have been reading this no we're not reading the spire i'm staring at the spire but that's not what we've been reading we've been reading trees by warren ellis and jason howard uh it is a an ongoing series from image that is a kind of near future speculative sci-fi story about a an a, a, about alien 
things you that w- they call trees. What? You, you, you want a little backup on this? Okay, yeah, go right ahead. I'm, I'm not so here. So this is, this is a world in which that has in, been invaded by aliens, but it's like the most underwhelming alien invasion ever. Uh, these, these things called trees are giant pillars that go into the atmosphere. They're sort of like super tall building things, and all they do is uh, you know crush whatever happened to be under them and just sit there. Occasionally, they dump radioactive bullshit. That's yeah. all. And there has been no contact with the aliens. Nobody knows what these are, why they're here. They're just in a bunch of cities all over the world. Uh, I think, is it Mogadishu that it has like the shortest one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's contested ground because they're trying to like get to the top of them and see, see, see what's going on. But in general, it's just like, okay, this thing happened and clearly there's going to be consequences, but we're going to pre- kind of pretend it's not there. At least that's the overriding cultural thing, mm. much like climate change. Right. So they, um, <laughs> so these things have landed all over the earth. And this is one of the things that I'll say right up front is that I'm going to have a hell of a lot of trouble remembering character names because there's like 37. <laughs> there's and they're a, all main characters. There's a ton of characters and there's a lot of, uh, kind of separate storylines going on that are only really connected by the fact that they all take place around different trees around the world. Um, there's So there was the the Mogadishu tree. Rio de, it starts off in Rio de Janeiro. And I think I know why they don't go back to Rio is because that was just a demonstration of one that decided to destroy everything that was under it. Right? Like the Rio, the story opens with um, just a, a kind of near future. There's, it's a good introduction to the sci-fi world because it's like this near future Rio de Janeiro where there are... Um, like robotic dogs yeah, employed by the police, weaponized drone drones, um, weaponized droids. 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 Yeah. Those are drone groins. Uh, oh, oh God. <laughs> weaponized drone groins. Um, and the story, like it, it's, it's a bunch of kids getting chased by the police. And then all of a sudden the, the trees in that area, as Anne said, decided to release a bunch of radioactive bullshit. Um, and for a sense of scale, uh, just so that everybody can kind of understand that the, the scale of the trees is that like, um, they're all, uh, there are, there are three pillared, uh, things. I'm what were constructions. So there's always three in a group. Um, and at the top they're connected and that's the one in Mogadishu they show that like there there's like a platform on top and it's short meaning like I don't know it's several miles tall uh, I, I I feel like it's about a mile tall like oh, it's the, the short one is yeah because they can they can fly helicopters up to the okay. top of it right um, yeah. so um, but like the ones in Rio the the favelas have actually grown up the sides of the of the tree that's mm. that's there um, the the one that landed in New York basically took out most of central Manhattan when it landed. You know, we're talking like the, the footprint of central park bang. Um, so, um, that's just a sense of scale. There's one that's set in a city called Shu in, in China. Um, the fictitious city of Shu. Right. And it's, it's the thought is like, maybe it's Sichuan area, whatever, but it's like this sort of art, weird art colony that sprung up kind of mm. in the base of this tree and is sort of flying under the radar of the, the, the sort of Chinese government and overriding culture. And it's just like weird art colony. Right. Yeah. yeah. Except for the fact that it's been walled off by the Chinese military. Well, right. you know, um, and then one that's in Spitsbergen, and Norway, that's way far North. And there's a research station there to try and figure out what it's, what they are and what they do. Um, so far, we read the first arc of this book, and so far, I really like this book. I, this is the kind of speculative sci-fi that I enjoy the most mm-hmm. um, because it's it is definitely one of the complaints that's been leveled against it by um, you know fans and comic book media is that it is it's it's real slow, which in a way, sure, Puntland. That's what I was trying to Puntland. remember. Puntland is the African nation. Yes. Um, that is, uh, yeah. Is that the one with the short tree? Yeah. 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 Um, but, like, the story focuses so much more on people and uh, world building yeah. than really plot, to be entirely honest. <laughs> yep. um, and the plot that is there is moving extremely slowly because it's just, they're just trying to 
kind of cover uh, character arcs, which... I mean, it's a big global story with stuff happening all over the world. There's a plot in Italy with this woman who's like learning how to crime from some dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's, gives you a sense of like what the character how the character of the whole world has changed based on these trees and i think it is going to be a slow build in part because it does take place all over the world joel Mm -hmm. mentioned that this is a bit like sense eight and i agree uh in that sense eight is also a story that takes place all over the world and has like a sort of speculative not super overtly aliens and shit but you know something weird's going on and the main complaint people level against it is where's the plot I, the plot's a slow burn. It's it's going to just like, rather than be a line, it's going to be sort of a spiral. Mm. Yeah. Um, what's what's important with stories like this is, if the, is that if you're going to have that kind of slow burn, then the world and the people have to be interesting enough to make you willing to follow them through that journey, right? Yeah. And make you willing to, to wonder about the world and what's going on and how it's all going to interconnect. Um, my assumption is that somewhere down the line, the trees are going to be interconnected in some way that will eventually affect all of the people that we are seeing try to live their lives around the trees at yeah. the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, which becomes an interesting dynamic because there's um, he he's put such a huge wide array of character archetypes in mm-hmm. here um, that I'm waiting to see them all come together, right? To, yeah. to find out what the fuck happens. Um, because I, I actually think that probably the most interesting story for the, for me was the was the the Chinese yeah. story yeah. where um, you know this village kid uh, comes to this colony because he's an artist and he wants to you know he wants to draw and he wants to learn about um, you know being an actual artist uh, and he kind of gets his little bumpkin mind kind of gets <laughs> thrown into. Um, a very bohemian kind of environment where uh you know it's it's very egalitarian in that there isn't really a lot of uh discrimination there's uh there's a lot of trans people and you know well, gender be, queer he people be, he befriends mm. and falls in love with a trans woman who is one of <coughs> the best representations of trans women i've seen uh-huh. yeah. in a yeah. comic that has this much circulation and yeah. deals with gender issues too yeah in a really real way too mm-hmm. yeah. the, the one thing i loved about this is it was more like every little area was a little vignette Mm-hmm. of like different things and interpersonal conflicts right because you have you have the the gender issues in in China mm-hmm. you have <clears throat> this woman trying to gain her agency in Italy um you have the whole battle between science in in uh Norway Norway or Svalbard and that and seemed like that that <laughs> had Svalbard Svalbard ladies and gentlemen Joel Simon <laughs> no that's master of english no, it's it's Svalbard. No, it's not Archipel- Svalbard. Yeah, that it's an island on the Svalbard okay. archipelago. All right, cool. Um, Spitsbergen. Spitsbergen. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm sorry, I'm not Norwegian. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no. It, <coughs> and Wait, so what? it's it's more it's more like little vignettes on how these people are dealing with the trees. The trees are just there. There's like uh, um, you know, it's something we're gonna have to deal with. And I think. It's a pretty good allegory, and I think that Anne had a good I, good point where it's it's a lot like us dealing with with climate change when it happens, when it really starts affecting us and starts breaking down yeah, everything. And that's one of the things that I found interesting about the in, the intro using the trees in Rio de Janeiro and them releasing their toxins, um, and they kind of make allusions to the fact that this has happened before. And um, so what it adds for me is this this interesting tension to the other storylines where you have these characters, you know, if they're guys, by Barber, if, uh, <laughs> if they're not, um, if they're not actively scientifically researching them like they are in the, in Spitsbergen, mm. um, you have this tension where people are just trying to live life under the umbrella of something they know that could potentially just fucking up and destroy them one day. Mm. Um, it feels a lot to me like people who live 
like especially now people who live in like the lower lower um parts of new orleans or tornado alley right where mm. you live there and it's your life or, or the san juan fault i was gonna yeah. say or the giant fault that we live on or yeah. the super volcano that would wipe us off the map or mm, let's let's yeah there's all kinds Sheltered. of all kinds of great um oh. Uh, alarmist articles going around oh right now. Oh my god. They're so good. Freaking alarmist articles. God, I want to see people start prepping. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they already do. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I'm I mean, shelters are good. But, but I it's, had a kit before the alarmist articles. But it, it, it is interesting because there are definitely, you know, the people that have just bailed on wherever the cities mm-hmm. are that land. They talk yeah. about that a lot in the Italian city mm-hmm. where the whole kind of city economy just kind of fell apart and now it's... Um, kind of this weird little like um, pseudo mob run dystopia. Yeah. Um, Who rules Bata Town? <laughs> <laughs> Who run Town? Um, and it's it's also like the different how different cultures dealt with it. So in China, mm-hmm. everybody just left and they just like okay, put a wall all, around it. Fuck yeah, it. put a wall around it. All you hippies, you can live here and do mm-hmm. your art stuff. Um, Ask the nearest hippie is one of the Anton Scalia themed perfumes that Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab does. <laughs> <laughs> it has patchouli in it. I say, I'm assuming it stinks like patchouli and bong water. Yeah. <laughs> but the the one thing why I like this comic is because of all it makes you think about about different cultures and how they live lives because you could as you're going through your life, you put on blinders. You yeah. don't really realize the stuff that you're going through is not what somebody's going through in, in Africa or in China or in, in Norway. Well, and the thing I appreciate about this book and about Sensei both is like, it's about a weird thing that's happening to the whole world. And it is actually happening to the whole world and not secretly like eight American characters and like a token. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude from somewhere mysterious in and Africa, and then a Japanese person, heroes. <laughs> yeah, well, and 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 that's also another thing is that there is a a large diversity in the cast. Heroes of characters is really too. bad. I mean, it's really bad. I I, it has I've, a special place in my heart, and I love it on a visceral level. But it has some deep flaws as a show. I <laughs> liked the first season. After that, it went. I fucking liked the fourth season, which makes me an officially terrible person. I haven't even. I I never even watched. I watched the first season. The second season was the one that got cut in half by the writer's strike. And and I got. You can tell. Yeah, I got about three episodes into season three before I gave up. And it's coming back, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, they're making a new one. Heroes Reborn is what it's called. Um, Anyway. I hate everything, (laughs) everyone, especially heroes. Yeah, Yeah, we do. We can plan on that. One of my favorite (laughs) pages in this book was um, in the shoe storyline where the main character in that storyline, whose name I will... Cheng Lei. Cheng Lei might be right, yeah. um, Is having a conversation with the trans character. Jen. I just looked this up. Okay, (laughs) thank you. Jian, about her friends, right? And she was... she's He's kind of standing off the side, doesn't know what to do. And she's like, those are my friends. Some of them are transgender too. Some of them aren't. You won't be able to tell and you shouldn't try. Okay. And this whole, there's a six panel page where he's just like, "Uh, uh, uh, well, of course I'm not stupid. You know, (laughs) it's like, it's, it's this, it's really well drawn panel, which I wish I could show um, of, of him and his yeah. his <laughs> conflict, right? Or, Where he's trying to figure out, like, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, how am I supposed to handle this? Or the page before where he's left left alone while she's talking, and mm-hmm. he's just he just goes inside himself. Yeah, and they they the art did that really well mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. kind of explain that too. Can we yeah. talk about the art? Go right ahead. I yeah, like I've, I like I, Jason I really Howard's like it stuff. Yeah. It reminds um, me a lot of Gabriel Ba. Mm. It's a different, in different ways. Lo- the lines feel different. Uh, yeah. It's a little less smooth, but in terms of the structure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that I mean, and again, this is writing and art, but the panel structure in general is strong and just uh, it. Jason Howard is that the artist mm-hmm. uses positive and negative space really effectively, especially because the trees are these big hulking black cylinders. But in general, um, 
I think that covers are a good example of using positive and negative space yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. The covers of the issues are really attractive. Yeah. Uh, issue three is the one with the pregnant girl with the gun in her uh-huh. stomach. That mm-hmm. one yeah. is a, a well thought out piece. Yeah. I'm trying to find um, like a bibliography for Jason Howard because I know I've seen his other art. But okay, well, yeah. I'll talk about the art for a minute more. Um, one of the things that I really do like about Jason Howard's art is it's super clean and everyone is distinct. Like mm. I, you don't mix up characters when you like see them. You know, yeah, yeah. which is really good for a story like this because yeah, that could have been a nightmare. Yeah, and can I just say that? I don't know why no artist has ever done this before, but instead of just giving characters different hairstyles to tell them apart, just make them a different race. That works too. And actually... Everyone's white, Joel. Didn't you know that? (laughs) You would think that's what everybody thought beforehand. But it's like, oh, you know what? Let's make this a black character so we can define this character differently than somebody else. Yeah. You know? It's, It's... Totally obvious. I appreciate obvious. that the research team in Norway looks like a research team and like is not just all yeah. indistinguishable white people mm-hmm. with yeah. beards because that's yeah. how you can tell they're a research oh, team. Oh yes, with beards. <laughs> well, and, and the thing, except for the intern. And the thing is, like, so we did, so we did, so we Podcasting did all star, folks. We did all star Batman and Robin uh, we did. last week, why and you that have was to bring that because up? this is this is why I'm bringing this up because that was 2005. Four. 2004, 2004. To about 10 years ago, and just to see how how horrible comics were back then. I mean, let's and not judge 2004 on <laughs> All-Star Batman. Well, but, no, I but, think that is my sole basis for God, actually all no, of, but like, a lot of A lot of the comics aughts. were like that, and a, and a comic like this probably wouldn't have been made back then, just 10 years ago. It was starting. The yeah. revolution it, was it starting. W- it was starting, right? But it would have been Vertigo at the time. Though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have. It would have. But the thing is, is that now we're seeing more and more comics like this, where they're representative of the entire world, as opposed we're, to to we're one more creators from somewhere other than the U- U.S. In the U.S. is one of the well, major and they're also factors. also the representation is not is not um, the beautiful thing about the representation in this book is that it's not stereotypical. It's not. Mm. Um, mm. It's it's multifaceted, like it, real it, people. It's like real people, right? You know, you yeah. don't have these caricatures that end up in a lot of comic books when right. you when you uh, go for you know right. any kind of racial, especially um, like. Uh, this God. doesn't feel like a dumb white guy tries to write international. Yes. This feels like Warren Ellis created a whole world it, that actually encompasses it, the exactly. whole world. Yeah, and and Warren Ellis is is a great writer for just bringing up these concepts, you know, and, and then having conversations between his characters that feel real. Mm-hmm. Warren you know? Ellis is a great writer. Uh, yes, he yeah. is. And yeah, it's, yeah, it feels very, it, it's an interesting counterpoint here. Cause there's, you know, very evenly presented and well presented trans characters in this book as a counterpoint to the, the whole Batman debacle or Batgirl debacle. <laughs> I'm the goddamn right? Batman. When, um, they had a, a villain who was uh, revealed as trans, and it was this, like, Barbara Gordon just weirded the fuck out about it. <coughs> really? Right? Yeah, you don't remember well, that? I was thinking of yeah. Alicia Yeo, right? That's the name of, the, I think, the character? Different. It was It was in a different um, arc. Different arc, same, and, same character? Like, uh, no, actually. Okay. This, is, this was a... Um, a villain character that was dressing in like uh, a caricature of Batgirl's costume that was like sparkly and spangly and stuff, uh-huh. and it turned out it was um, it was a, a, a trans woman. And when they revealed that it was a, uh, I'm trying to be I'm trying to not be insensitive here. It was a guy, so physically was it a, a guy in oh. a. Um, so it was a trans woman who hadn't had surgery. Right. They were trying to. I, I'm not sure if she was presented as as a trans woman or a crossdresser. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't I, know how that was presented because I remember seeing the page, and there was definitely a moment where that was the big reveal of this villain. Yeah. And then Batgirl's like, "But you're a dot dot dot," and a whole bunch of people were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Especially. <laughs> so, be, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that falls into the two main modes that trans folk trans women specifically get shunted into right. uh which is the deceptive transvestite see the crying game uh, or which is the like pathetic transvestite see um the crying ed game. wood 
No, the one that like isn't even pulling it off and is oh. is ugly. Or the sexual predator transvestite. Well, that's the deceptive one. Is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and I just I don't know. I like it. I like yeah. I like reading. I like reading books where people are presented evenly. Yeah. You know, and but oh, I do. I do too. My depth. only problem with it with the the trans or shoe with the whole shoe storyline is. I don't know. It kind of feels like um, okay. We've gone as far as I can on on this transgender topic. Murder everyone, you know, and just raise just like, raise. Uh, do you think that the entire city that shoe is just going to be destroyed in a horrible flood of tree juice? No, no. I, I, I mean, I did you get to the end of the storyline? Like <laughs> where the military comes in and just oh yeah 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 kills everybody, just murders. Exception. I forgot about that. What? No, she's still alive. She's or still he's. alive. She's no, no, no. She's they, still alive. They, they kill, spoilers, kill Cheng Lei. Thank yeah. you. Um, which. I forgot about that. It's an interesting, like, so that's one of the things that I find really interesting about this book and why I'm really, um, why I'm looking forward to the next arc because it was definitely a situation where he spends the first eight issues introducing you to all these characters mm. and introducing you to the th- kind of omnipresent threat of the trees um, and then underlying that threat is the threat that humanity is just uh, um, leveling against itself Mm. in different places Um, you know it it goes everything from the interpersonal conflicts at the at the Spitsbergen station where they you know this this guy finds something wrong but doesn't really present it in the right way and ends up kind of fucking everybody over because Mm. of Mm -hmm. his um, reticence and then you know in China you've got this situation where something bad goes wrong at another tree and the Chinese government's just like fuck it go nuke it Um, and then uh, you know you have the 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 African tree being used as as a staging ground for a military coup, yeah, you know, and um, and then at the end of this story arc, like the Spitsbergen tree does some fucked up thing, like, yeah. and they it's they don't really explain what <laughs> happens except for the fact that it they find these flowers that are actually internally growing circuitry to be used as transmitters and it's almost like the Spitsbergen tree was the test case for whether or not the trees could actually take out whatever it is that they're trying to take out and that's the thing we don't know what's going on took out the Spitsbergen station there's only one survivor Um, so it's one of those kinds of storylines I think we won't be able to tell if it's successfully executed until we see the second part Mm. but where they send you in a direction for a while and get you attached to characters mm-hmm. and then take a hard left and just fuck everything up. You know, they kill a bunch of characters in, in China. They launch missiles and destroy an entire city in Puntland in the Africans thing and the Spitsbergen mm-hmm. station gets destroyed and like everything kind of goes to shit all at once. And mm-hmm. now we have skipped forward a year. And now we're like in issue nine, it skips forward a year and now you're trying to move on and see what happens. And I think that's, um, that's really easy to fuck up the execution of a story like that. And I, I think that it's handled very elegantly so far. Um, I mean, I've only read issue nine, so I don't know um, where it's leading, but my opinion is you have to give Warren Ellis credit and trust him as a writer. Yeah. yeah, And I do. Uh, this didn't feel like Harry Potter 7, why the hell is everyone dying? It, <laughs> it felt like, oh, this is actually just raised the stakes for the whole world. And I think right. it's because it's established as a global story. If it was just about the mm-hmm. you know research team with occasional jaunts to you know China and, and Italy, it wouldn't have... Sounds like the plot of The Massive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I honestly think this does a slightly better job of the, than The Massive in terms of like maintaining coherent stories in on a global scale. On a global mm-hmm. scale. Yeah. 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 I mean, The Massive's good, but I just think analysis <coughs> world building is on point. Yeah. Uh, the, yes. Yeah. I mean, w- there are Warren Ellis is like you were saying, uh, one of those creators that all read anything he writes, yeah. um, and other creators have. Um, broken that trust with me like i've i've read stuff by some creators that and i know i know this is harsh to say because the sixth gun is still my absolute favorite comic ever written 
but not all of Colin Bunn's stuff is right. Like he, I can't, I can't just pick up a Colin Bunn book and automatically know that I'll like it, yeah. um, or at least that I'll be interested in it. I can't do that with guys like um, Frank Miller, uh, <laughs> Frank Miller, Alan Moore. Um, Alan Moore's not writing comics anymore. Yeah, no, he's writing his million word novel. Grant Morrison is comes close for me, but there are some things that even Grant Morrison has done that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. I'm sort of um, like so. I don't think there's a single writer that I'd be like, I will pick this up, and I know automatically I'm going. Except to Except Ed Brubaker, who you talked about earlier. Yeah, no, Brubaker. Like, <laughs> follow, follow me through this line of logic. But I mean, I will pick up any book by Matt Fraction. I'll pick up any book by Colin Bunn. Colin Bunn. I'll pick up any book by Brubaker. I'll pick up any book by. Um, I'll pick up any book by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Actually, I'll pick up anything by Warren Ellis. Like, I will give them... Right. They have my trust. And if I don't like the first couple issues, I'll stop reading it. Yeah. Um, Fraction was actually the guy that I was going to bring up next because he is super hot and cold with me. Mm. There are some things of his that I absolutely adore, like Casanova. Um, but then you have things like... Odyssey. Um, like or Satellite Sam. Satellite Sam is the one I was going to say where it's just it's for me it's just not good and that's I'm not going to say that it's poorly constructed but it's just not your taste it's just definitely off I think that's fair of Odyssey Odyssey was clearly not designed for everyone but for the people who it really clicks with I've talked to it really clicks with so Remender's another example of a guy who's like either he's either on or completely off to me except for uh, when he's on Castle when he's on, he writes some of my absolute favorite comics. Like Fear Agent and, and yeah. Black Science are two of my favorite comics. Have you read Deadly Class um, yet? I have, and I don't like it. No? Really? I've read nine issues of Deadly Class, and I'm not a fan. Did we ever fan. do Deadly Class for yes, the show? Yes, we did. I okay. we did do Deadly Class for the We did the first six show. issues okay. for the show. Um, so yeah, it's uh, been a Warren lot of Ellis... Shows. <laughs> Warren Ellis is one of the guys that I trust nearly implicitly. He hasn't done anything that I've read that I can actively say, I don't like this, right? Yeah. Um, the closest was, like, trans, he was trans, Transmetropolitan. Yeah. And even that I came around to. Like, the first 10 or 12 issues of Transmet I didn't like very much, but as the series progressed, I actually came around to liking it. Um, and this is a storyline where... Um, I like the characters and the world enough that it bolsters my trust for for what Warren Ellis is leading to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if it were any other writer, I would have a little, I would have a rough patch trying to stick with something like this. But Warren Ellis is not one of those guys. So, like, he is sort of your the anti version of me and Brian K. Vaughan. I won't read anything until it's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, uh, I, the only love saga. That's great. Fuck that book. I'm not reading it until it's done. <laughs> and then, like four years from now, when all of you guys are crying and gnashing <laughs> your teeth, like how could he end this book like this? Everyone was a robot, and they woke up from a dream. What the fuck was that? I'd be like, hey, no time invested on my part. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm I'm a big fan of trees. I think it's uh, probably one of the best books we've looked at on the show in a long time uh and i'm so you're saying it's better than all-star batman i'm definitely saying it's better than all-star batman is it better than holy terror oh i don't know yes it's better than fucking holy terror jesus christ of course you're gonna bring up (laughs) super truck and boring girl of course it's better than super truck and boring girl you're just gonna go through all the shit books that we steal my wind why don't you Um, since we didn't do buy, borrow, or burn earlier, fuck it, we'll do it now. I'm a buy. I'm a solid buy on this one. Absolutely. <clears throat> Me too. Yeah. I did buy it already, and I think it's absolutely. I mean, if you if you hate science fiction and can't and need like a plot that is incredibly linear, then maybe this isn't your book. But if you like thinking and also people, then you should <laughs> buy this book. <laughs> Andy. Oh, my dead air I, I know. No one can see your facial expression. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, God. Like, it's like light. It sounds like you're a bar. Borrow. Like, the, the issue for me, like, I love the writing, but I can't imagine everyone else being as enamored with it. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, I can it, see is, that. it is incredibly complex. And if you want just a comic book to sit down and read and enjoy, this is not the book for you. It is, you have to think about stuff. It's not popcorn entertainment. It, this yeah, is not actually, think about this it. is a thinky oh. comic. Yeah, it is, it is not, you know. 
super. It's not. Sorry, it's not your standard superheroes punching each other in the dick. It's it's. No, it's there's not. a lot of layers, and you need to go back yeah. and you need to look at stuff to like sort of get your mind in the right place when you're going through it. And the first time that I read it, I was mildly confused, and I had to you know reread it. I've got the first, I think, six or seven issues in singles, but I'm just going to read it in trades from now on because I can't. You cannot read this as a single issue and keep I, up. I usually stock up about three and then go back. Yeah, it's, it's not a you know like I'm going to sit down and take 15 minutes and read this because you will not get what you need out of it. Yeah. What about you, Joel? Yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'd buy it. I liked I liked everything about it and uh, just. I like this kind of speculative sci-fi where the whole world is changed and people have to live in it. It's yes. kind of like post-apocalyptic, you know. But it's but it's not, not like dramatic. It's cyberpunk. No, no, it's not. It yeah, and it is kind of it is kind of post-apocalyptic is when the apocalypse happens. Cyberpunk, <clears throat> cyberpunk is when it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's kind of happening here. So uh, yeah, I would buy it. Yeah, I would, I would buy it. I think one of the cool things about this book, and we've discussed it ad nauseum, is that. Uh, I think his depictions of characters that are is going to be outside of a lot of people's comfort zone. And I think that's a good thing because he depicts them in a way that challenges your perceptions of um, typically marginalized people in a way that makes it really worthwhile to read. This is the penultimate episode of the show. We've only got one episode of Trade Secrets left ever. God. Yes. My God. First note. First note about the final episode. It is going to be a long read episode for the entire run of Preacher. All 66 issues of the main story. Um so it is definitely going to be a long episode in general. Our, our long read episodes tend to run about an hour and a half to two hours a pop. So, um, And being the final episode might even make it longer because we'll have a lot to talk about. Eddie will be back on the show with us for episode, uh, for episode 100. Um, but a, an important note, it's going to be a longer interval than normal. It's going to be longer than two weeks before we can record it. Um, we are going to actually record the episode on Saturday, September 5th, because there's a lot of scheduling issues between now and then, and it gives us extra time to read a lot of comic books. Um, so, so this won't be like the time when I read 100 bullets in like two weeks and then rage vomited. <laughs> I read 100 bullets in four days. Yeah. I read and it over was, six years. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot. It was too much. Um, it's not too much. It's delicious. In love four it. days, it was pretty you fucking awful. love it. I didn't, actually. Um, so... You're an asshole. The episode, asshole. the episode should release on September seventh or eighth, depending on how much editing I have to do. But what we really want, and one of the other things that this gap will give us, is more time for uh, our readers, readers, listeners, to uh, <laughs> Matthews, author of book. <laughs> I've said, yeah, right. I've said viewers, readers, whatever, <laughs> listeners, uh, to. Email us and participate in the show, just like Jesus Casada, Scanner Fifty One, who has been uh, a fan of the show for a long time. Now right. he's one of our one of our first uh, major fans that would write us in. Um, so send us emails, send us comments. Uh, if you have questions about uh, Preacher um, or comments about Preacher, because I'm sure most people have read it. Send them in. Let us talk about it. Uh, if you have something that you want to talk about from the show, a favorite moment, a favorite, you know, a, a shittiest moment, uh, a best episode, worst episode. If there's a, a book that we've read that you want to comment on, then let us know. Um, if we get a bunch of uh, reader mail, listener mail, <laughs> fuck me, uh, between now and then, we will try and get to all of it on episode 100 because it's going to be the last one, so it's not like we have another shot. Now's your chance. So you have between now and September 4th to email us uh, questions and comments and concerns and praise and hatred for the show. Uh, you can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod, or you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Trade Secrets Podcast. 
there's a lot of talk that goes on on the on the group. So if you um, if you post a question there, we will definitely get it on the show, or the email will also definitely get us on the sh- get it on the show. Um, we're all also individually on Twitter. So if you want to follow us, post Trade Secrets Podcast. I am at Geek Elite. And being tweets. Mathtastrophe. Superfly. Uh, and uh, Eddie is at Grape Doctor, G R A P E D R. Why do you laugh at that every time? I don't know. Mathtastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're ending the show, uh, and we will talk about the ending of the show and why we're ending it and everything more on episode 100 and we'll talk and about tired. our fans. I'm so tired. <laughs> Luke and I have been doing this for 15 years, guys. <laughs> We've been doing podcasts since before years. podcasts. We were the first podcast. <laughs> for Wales. These people keep showing up in my house and I'm so tired of it. <laughs> Get off my lawn! All right, so yeah, that's, this has been episode 99 of the penultimate episode all about Warren Ellis and Jason really Howard's like trees. Penul- I love the word penultimate. Penultimate and defenestrate, man. Those are two fucking awesome <laughs> to words. To throw someone off a balcony? To throw someone through a window. Window, yep. okay. Yeah. There's a really good defenestration supercut. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I am Luke, and thank you for coming. Yeah. Andy, thank you for loaning us your apartment as usual. Just get out. Joel, thank you for coming. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Get out. We're out.